Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. Hello, this is Evan, the admin assistant and podcast producer here at Holistic Life Navigation. I wanted to let you know that Luis's next somatic drop-in will be on August 15th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. These hour-long events are free or pay what you wish, and they're a great way to experience Luis's work firsthand. All of Luis's somatic drop-ins are recorded, so if you register, you'll receive a replay right afterwards. We'll also be posting the replays as bonus podcast episodes and as videos on YouTube. You can register through the link below. Today, I am joined by Simone Grace Soul, who has taught me so much through her podcast and her Instagram posts. And we have um, we have a deep conversation about uh, ethics and capacity and success, and um, also the reality of how capitalism can actually be used for good. And in fact, if you build a business on foundations that do not prioritize and center those first and foremost, then guess what? The more your business grows, the less connection you're going to have, the less creativity you're going to be able to have, the less purpose you're going to feel. It's growing on the wrong bedrock. And when I say wrong, I mean wrong in the sense that it does not support what you need in, as a human being to feel deeply fulfilled and whole and well. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we discuss every aspect of life through the lens of somatic psychology, nutrition, and self-inquiry. My name is Luis Mojica, and I'm a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety inside themselves so they can better navigate this strange and sensational human experience. Your time to learn begins now. I don't want to miss any. I, I said to Simone, we started talking. I hit record because I didn't want to miss any reality. I, oh my gosh, I am totally fangirling right now too. You have no idea. I I listen to your podcast like four times a day because there's so many episodes, and I only discovered it a few months ago. So I'm like binge listening and getting so much of it. So it's I feel like I know you, and um, and it's just so cool to see you right now. Well, I am so honored and humbled. You have been such a teacher for me and uh, the fan gender neutral person is totally mutual. (laughs) 
So, I mean, I don't even know where, I'll tell you where to be, where I want to begin. I want to begin with what actually led me to learning about your work. This post popped up on my feed one day on Instagram and it said something along the lines of, um, it, it, it was like making money and having a successful business is all about a regulated nervous system. And, uh, you know, of course that spoke my language. And I just wanted to start there in terms of what have you learned in these last few years that have taught you that? Like, how'd you, how'd you get there? Yeah, so much. You know, I, like so many of us, started out for uh, by consuming a lot of, you know, conventional business, marketing, sales, coaching, because, you know, I had something that I had to offer the world and I was terrified to tell anyone about it. I was terrified to take up any kind of space with it, let alone receive more than like $20 for it at a time. And I wanted to figure it out. And so I learned from lots of different people. And I want to say that there was, you know, everyone I learned from, I got something super valuable out of it. And I kind of, you know, figured out a way to make it all in retrospect, I can say this. I throughout all those processes, all the trainings, all the courses, all the programs I took, I think slowly I was able to make them work for me because that process challenged me to regulate my nervous system and to expand my nervous system capacity to experience sensation and to deepen my connection with my own unconscious wisdom. And the way I think of it, there's no difference between body and unconscious wisdom. Like my body is my unconscious wisdom. And I am very careful to say, I don't want to be in a position where I am saying, yeah, and all the business like strategies and and structures and all, they all suck. All you need is, no, 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 no. There's, there's a place for them. But the only way you can make sense of them and adopt them in a way that is actually going to benefit you and that you can actually sustain is by leading with listening to your nervous system and leading with caring for your nervous system in the first place so that it can speak to you and you can listen when it happens and you can have an intelligent conversation as opposed to being in this loop of nonstop, just reaction, 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 right? And so I figured out my own business and I started making good money. I started being what other people call successful. And then I realized, Hey, I have some things to, you know, offer. I can teach people about business. I can coach people on business and just over and over and over again, I saw these individuals with brilliant brains, amazing ideas, you know, overflowing creativity and burning passion get shut down again and again and again by what they thought, this is the most heartbreaking part to me, they thought it was self-sabotage. They thought it was some kind of upper limit problem, right? Mm -hmm. And they kept blaming themselves Mm -hmm. and it made no, no logical sense for someone so intelligent, so creative, so passionate to be able to do something, to not be able to do something so simple like, hey, talk about what you're passionate about. Or speak to your client, being yourself, be a human being, and don't be like a weird marketing robot. There's no logical reason that should be so fucking difficult. Mm-hmm. But if you understand how the nervous system works, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of playing around the edges of it for a while. And then I realized, no, 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 this really is the thing. This really is the thing. And I really brought it to the forefront of my thinking and and teaching and coaching um a while ago and so now there's to me there's no difference between getting better at your business and getting better at and for like a better word better whatever mm-hmm. was what better right but you know being more skillful and intentional in how you steward your nervous system um and not just and I want to speak to this too sorry I'm like giving you all the all the thoughts at once but <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. A lot of people speak of the nervous system or the body or even the brain like it's something to manage. It's something that you got to get under control and you, you know, press certain buttons and follow certain instructions and it does what you want it to do. Right. And I have come to see how that is such 
that kind of thinking is such a product of, you know, modern Western culture, treating the body as a machine that you can just manipulate to, to maximize productivity, to meet whatever end you're pushing. And then, Hey, like, listen, I've done it too. I've, I've been guilty of it too. And certainly the culture at large primes us to think that way. But I want to take people far beyond the idea of merely regulating, managing, is sort of seeing your body, seeing your nervous system as like an object that you can program your intentions to and to manipulate to work the way you want it to work. I think often my like my thinking brain is an idiot and my body's a genius, mm-hmm. you know? And so I've come to hold my body and nervous system in reverence and really forge my path as a partnership where I honor my body and my body honors and loves me. I know that. And so it's a conversation between the thinking everyday consciousness part of me and the deeper unconscious wisdom of my body and my nervous system. So that is all my thought vomit for the first five minutes. Well, no, this is good. <laughs> Let's start that. <laughs> Let's digest some of this together because I think this is why your approach works so well for my body because it comes mm-hmm. from that that belief. It comes from that practice, that understanding. I tend to refer, I've been playing with referring to the nervous system as the relationship system because it's this, right? This electric spirit in us that literally relates to everything. And you said high sensation or a lot of sensation earlier, which that's an important word for me because when we think of success, success means one, our relationships expand because we can't be successful successful without people, even if they're customers buying a product. It's like our relationship to the customer audience. So there's more relating that needs to happen. And simultaneously, there's more sensation that's happening as you're being seen, as money is coming in, as you're making bigger decisions. That's huge because when people say, I want to get successful, there, it's a disembodied statement most of the time in the work I've done with people, even in my own self growing up. When I first wanted to be a successful musician, I had no idea what that would take. I didn't have the capacity for that. So being a successful trauma educator, I have the capacity for. And I got there exactly with what you're talking about. I learned that this relationship system had to slowly build capacity for each new person in my life, whether it's a thousand students or 20 private people, whatever it was. And as they came in and I get triggered, that trigger is this moment of pausing, unfurling whatever was unconscious. And then there's this new capacity emerges, right? And then the quote, the next level of success comes from that. That's been my experience. But where does that land in you? Tell me your wisdom within that framework. No, I was just sitting here marveling at the beautiful poetic way that you put it. I I couldn't put it differently. I completely agree. And, you know, whatever, whatever business or anything, whatever situation in, in life that you have, it's not absolute in every circumstance, but it's that's basically think of it as that's what your nervous system can, can can tolerate right now, right? And of course, that is dynamic and it's fluid and it changes every single day. My capacity changes from day to day, from hour to hour, right? Like an hour ago, I was fried because my baby was crying nonstop, and now I'm sitting here with Lewis and I'm calm and capacious, right? <laughs> so it's not like, oh, this is my nervous system capacity and I'm locked into it. Not at all, right? But there's ebbs and flows. But um, think of what you have right now is what you have developed the ability to to um, to tolerate and to hold. And as you expand that, and the operative word here that Lewis already said is slowly, right? Gently. Um, and I think the kind of pressure to get it done faster and faster in itself. We can talk about that as a kind of trauma response, right? Um, But slowly, gently, and in this process, right? It's kind of a little bit of a mindfuck. Can I swear on this podcast? Anything you want to swear. Okay. It's kind of a mindfuck for a lot of my clients and they resist it at times. And I totally get it where it almost, you... um, have to kind of put aside all the things that you think you want. Like, hey, I want this many followers. I want my launch to bring in this many people. I want to make this much money. How fast can I get there? I think you have to genuinely deprioritize that to build a trusting relationship with your nervous system first. 
and then let that gentle healing, gentle expansion guide you to what's next. And ironically, the reason people resist it is because they think it's going to slow down what they're doing. And in some ways it will. But if you look at the big picture over the long term, this actually is not only the most sustainable way to make money and engage in the games of capitalism. And I'm not saying that pejoratively, like I, I love engaging in the, in the games of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> not only is it the most sustainable way to do so, it actually is the most efficient, right? Yeah, and if you will, the right. fastest way for you to have what you want, right? But in the short term or even in the medium term, it might look like slowing down. And so many people are so afraid to do, of, of that that they're afraid to get to get to make space to relate to their bodies. Let's pause there. There's so much wisdom. First thing is my name is Luis, not Lewis. Which I'm is... so sorry. Like we've talked so much on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we t- As a, you I haven't phonetically Luis. had to speak to me before. <laughs> That's totally okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, there's so much here. So the first thing I love that you said, I, I totally stand by this. And seriously, everything you say is like something I would say. That's why it's kind of trippy when I listen to you. And that's why you can you you reach me so deeply because I just I'm spoiled. Like you use the language that I love. And you said this thing like where you are right now, whether it's business, your life, whatever you are experiencing right now and tolerating, that's the capacity you have for this, right? This thing in your life is based on your capacity, essentially. I love that. And it's it's a tough one for the ego, isn't it? Because the ego wants to have dot, 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 but this is what the body can handle. So I first wanted to start there with how do you coach people through the humility, really, of, okay, you have a goal or the ego wants this or you desire this and the reality is this is what your body can hold right now. So I will answer that in a very personal way in terms of what helped me. I remember when, first of all, that's a really important question that not many people raise, much less address. I remember years ago, I was in a very emotionally abusive relationship with a narcissist. Um, and I very much felt like a victim of that situation, victim of that person. And I would cry and whine about it to every friend who will hear me. (laughs) It (laughs) increasingly got very exhausting on them. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time it was, I was, I was in a lot of pain. And Mm. I remember telling one friend, I wish I could just be happy and peaceful in a relationship or something like that. And I remember that friend told me, do you think a part of you like really enjoys all this drama and like needs it and like keeps creating it? Cause like, this is what you're available for. And in that moment, a part of me recognized the truth of that. And I wasn't annoyed or angry at it it actually made me so sad because I Mm. realized it was true and I didn't know how to change it. Mm. Mm. I felt incapable. I felt that I lacked the, the awareness and the skill to be able to change it. And I felt a tremendous amount of grief over that. And I see this grief and sadness in many of my clients and when they hear ideas like what we what we're sharing, right? That this is what you are available for. This is what you can tolerate. Like they register the truth of that at some level, and they're like, "Well, now, now what? What do I do with it? Please tell me, right?" And so my first thing is, what would have helped me then? You know, which I eventually learned how to give myself is sort of deep, you know, forgiveness and 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 permission and wit- loving witnessing right? Loving witnessing of that pain. Yes. It's so painful to see that I am creating this and I know that I am responsible for it. And I know I am the one who has the power to create and uncreate it. And in this moment, I feel like I don't know how I don't feel Mm. resourced. Mm. So much. It, that doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're just, you know, incapable it doesn't mean anything except that you are having a profound moment 
of experiencing an aspect of your humanity, right? And you that, don't know what to do about it. Yeah, I don't know what to do about it. I feel helpless. I think, you know, I'm trained as a coach and I train coaches and I always think about one of the how one of the experiences, one of the emotions that we have the least capacity to experience is helplessness. Agreed. Like a lot of us, we would do anything than just sit here and feel helpless. And I think about how there's almost like a sacred quality to helplessness. It's such an important core part of being human to allow the experience of helplessness because if you are hell-bent on trying to avoid it in your life, then you're going to turn to lots of escaping and coping strategies that are probably going to create more problems for you, right? So I might be... (laughs) I, I don't want to say that. Anyway, I'm one of the few people who, as a coach, I say, I open up to the experience of helplessness. We don't mm-hmm. always have to feel in control and powerful. Sometimes sitting in the humbling experience of helplessness is one of the most sacred things we can do. Anyway, that's a different thing. But well, but wait a minute. You said something yeah. important. You said loving witness. Yeah. And that's super important for me. Um, there's a practice I teach in my course called relating to your, subco- to your subconscious. And mm-hmm. this is what you're talking about. I say it in different words, but it's when the hel- when the helplessness arises, it's the practice of being the witnesser of the helplessness, not actually becoming the helplessness. Totally. And when there's a little distance between I am helpless versus something in me feels helpless or I'm with this part that's helpless, Oh my goddess. It's like the medicine. Helplessness becomes a medicine. <laughs> it becomes this it's, amazing it's like the, experience. The pathos that you feel um when you witness another being in suffering. Yes, right? that's exactly like right. Some part, and by the way, I have to stop and always acknowledge my teacher who taught me everything about this, um, David Bedrick. Um, and I'm always so grateful to him because he really guided the way I think about this. But loving witnessing. Mm-hmm that pathos, it's the experience of being moved by another person's suffering because what we're doing when we do that is that we are saying that your suffering matters. Mm. Your suffering is a thing of consequence in the world to me. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's so healing, Mm -hmm. right? And when we can give it to ourselves, and I have to say it was a lot harder to give myself when I had never experienced other people giving it to me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know what it felt like. I didn't know how to do it. And when I had experienced some other people giving it to me, and th- this, I'm talking like two, three decades into my life, I was like, oh, is that what that is? How do I do that? Oh, and it was a very inelegant process of trying to figure it out, right? So I, I think another thing that felt wounding to me at the time in those years is when people acted like this is easy and straightforward, learning how to be your own loving witness. And Again, just speaking out of my personal experience, it was never simple or, you know, easy to me. It was, it required more finesse and courage sometimes than anything else. And for those people who also find it difficult, I think in a world where loving witnessing for your humanity is so fucking bloody rare and so sparsely modeled when we're growing up, much less given to us, right? When somebody's hurt, when someone's crying and a kid, you know, what we're told is stop crying, Mm -hmm. you know, don't be sad. You know, you, you're upsetting your mom, whatever, stop it. Right. Boys don't cry. All this, all this stuff. It's, it's loving witness to the part of you that finds loving witnessing hard, you know, like it's, it's not you, it's the culture, it's the water we, we drink, it's the air we breathe. Um, and if you are slowly untangling this and trying to figure this out, and if you're open to learning about this, and if you're open to, to softening into what that experience might be like, if you're open to exercising the courage that it takes to try to figure out, I just want to pause and say, you're amazing. This is deeply, deeply important work. And I just want to celebrate you. Like if you're listening and you know you're doing the work, like this is, it's amazing. Like everyone who's doing the work proactively on themselves is a superhero to me, you know? I I think this is why I love your coaching method because, and I only know it through your podcast. You know, I've gotten so much benefit from just listening to that. And I love it because... 
Whenever I hear people talk about business and success and money making, they focus just on that. And I'm always wondering in my mind, I'm like, is that person happy? Are they enjoying the money? What's their relationship to themselves? Like, well, how's this increasing their quality of life in terms of, again, connection and relationship? And what's so cool about your your business coaching is you really focus on the self-connection and then from there, this blossoms instead of the other way around. And so, and I just, tangent, David is actually scheduled to come on the podcast. So that's really cool. Oh, I think, yay! <laughs> it's a bit a But I, I think... I guess I'm saying that out loud because, and I have so many things I want to talk to you about. Oh my God. Um, I think it's great for people just to hear that ideas of success that we have, in at least in my experience or opinion, are quite dissociative because of these things kind of floating in the future and this state that floats in the future and it keeps updating no matter how far you get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this loving witness practice, it it's so sustainable and it goes deep and it stays with you forever if you're practicing it. You know, that to me, that's the success and all these other things that blossom from there. 100%, that's the success. Here's the thing is that we, um, and I think for years, I unwittingly contributed to this uh, culture of equating success with how much money you have, how much power you can wield in the world, um, how many eyeballs are on your thing. and it's a, it's the that way of thinking is a natural product of the very profoundly materialist society we live in and by materialist i mean measuring um how much you have by numbers and you know how much you can you can hoard and, and material things are what matter most right and what gets forgotten um and even brush aside and even shamed is all the everything else there exists um inside of us humans in the world right we are not just cuz cuz what good is money what good is power and influence it gets you things right and things are great don't get me wrong i love things <laughs> but also we are creative spirits we are relational spirits um, we are also, I also want to just put emphasis on the word spirit. We are spirits, right? I think having all the things we need to be okay in this world, that is the most minimal. That's like the least, that's like the lowest bar. Like you have enough to survive. You're never going to like starve or need to be homeless. Like that's the minimum. And of course that's important, but what, what are the other, all the other needs that we have? Like I was literally just talking to a uh, one of my mentors about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how that is almost not to say that, you know, of course it's, it's valid in many ways, you know, that's useful in, in some ways, but in some ways it's almost like a dehumanizing way of looking at human needs, right? Because we don't just need to be able to eat and have a roof over our heads, whatever. We also need connection purpose we need to feel cared for we need to create we need to feel connected to the great oneness of all things we need to feel like our being here has a meaning and all that comes from connection and interdependence and all of that is simply just not talked about like in terms of what does success mean right so expanding out definition of what, is, what do humans actually need in order to feel truly well in our souls, right? Well, in as you're saying to... that, I'm, I'm hearing that, I'm hearing in my yeah. mind, I'm thinking everything you just listed, like creativity, expression, connection, to connection to the oneness, love, all that relationship. I'm hearing what if not even that's success, but if that's, how do I say it? It's like, I think of regardless of what someone's doing in their life, like I, I think of myself when I worked at a corner store, okay, in like a ghetto. I remember working there and I felt so successful because through that platform of working at a counter for like $7 an hour, I was doing all the things you just said. Like I felt connected to the great mystery. I had a relationship. I was empowering people. I was, was a part of the community. 
it was so sick. Like that was the success. It wasn't the, the work or the money. It was like that, all those pieces moving in me. Is that what we're talking about here? Oh, the implication in these sort of conventional business, whatever talk is that once you make X dollars, then all of the rest of that is just going to That's right. Um, hit you in the face. That's right. Except not. Not, <laughs> not, at, at, all. All. not at all. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Right. And in fact, if you build a business on foundations that do not prioritize and center those first and foremost, then guess what? The more your business grows, the less connection you're going to have, the mm. less creativity you're going to be able to have, mm. the less purpose you're going to feel. Because it's growing on that bedrock. Exactly. It's growing on the wrong bedrock. And when I say wrong, I mean wrong in the sense that it does not support what you need in as a human being to feel deeply fulfilled and whole and well. Ooh, I just want to pause there. So we I just I gave myself chills. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pause there. So I think I felt the chills through the Zoom because I want us all to really take that in. Let's just all take that in. You know, if you're building your business or your life or whatever the thing you want to be successful from a place that already lacks connection to self and connection to others and land and spirit and all these other relationships, as you grow this, as it gets more successful, those things get even further away from you because that's where you're growing it from, right? You're growing it from this and, disconnect. And if you want to get some of those back, then guess what? You have to break some things. And now it's even scarier because the things you got to break are big. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is the common yeah. dilemma we see with celebrities. Totally. Right. It's what you're walking away from. And even if you're not a Hollywood celebrity, you know, on a much more, more modest scale, you know, if you have a $200,000 business, a million dollar business, and it's built on a bedrock. I love that word you use, that, that, that idea, right? Uh, metaphor, bedrock that supports that is that that is built on that prioritizes something other than interdependence connection wholeness purpose and when i think about the architecture of a business it really has to be that at every level that every at mm. every decision point mm. right down to who you hire um right down to how often you post content and why um right down to how you schedule out your launches, right down to how you make decisions decisions about refund policies, right? Yes. Like all these things, right? They have to be, okay, I used to always catch myself. They don't have to be, but- Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I'm with you. I'm right, with whatever you. values and ways of being and whatever priorities those decisions are rooted in, the more business growth, the more dollars you earn are going to- bring back to you more of whatever incoherence, whatever um, lack That's of right. nourishment is available in the bedrock. In the bedrock, It's going to multiply and amplify it, right? I, I literally heard when you were saying that, I loved it about the architecture. I yeah. heard like the architecture of your, of your business is based on the blueprint of your nervous system. Because, oh, <laughs> because you know, if I'm thinking of the relationship system and how we're talking about this, this body and this nervous system is what relates and feels sensation and experiences. I mean, that really is the blueprint of all these dynamics you're talking about that build a business. How you relate to yourself is how you relate to the refund policy. I mean, it all just becomes this micro macro experience. For me, one of the, I'll tell you right now what's in my process um, or like what's happening in my own growth right now is that I think I'm undergoing a really emotionally intense, um, what's the word? I even use the word cataclysm to one of my mentors in which I am going from understanding my place in the world and my my impact and my my business in a very individualistic way mm. to looking at it in an incredibly interdependent way where everything that I am everything that filters through me serves the whole and serves community and if you'd asked me before, hey, are you like considering and serving community in every part of your business? Like I would have told you, yeah, I totally am, right? 
But I didn't see the extent to which I wasn't doing that until mm-hmm. I was able to see some of the things that I'm seeing now. Right. Which which are? Gosh. You just asked me what is actually kind of a really confronting question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you Rude. do all the time. I'm like, I'm going to do it to Simone to see if she so go there. You don't have to go there, but I'm just curious. No, no. Let me try to answer that question. Um, What was the question? Yeah. What, what am I seeing now that I wasn't seeing before? I am seeing how deeply, profoundly, heart-wrenchingly fucked up this world is. And it's and it's system and what systems and structures and power interests are creating and perpetuating the fucked upness. Mm. And how everything I do either further upholds and perpetuates that or dismantles that. And and what I'm talking about is, and I don't mind using these words because it's the truth, it's the rape of the earth by giant corporations that are literally raising out the biodiversity of the earth to plant monocrops. That is in very literal ways, depleting not only the earth, but depleting human health. Um, I'm talking about systems of, you know, the word oppression gets thrown thrown around a lot. And it's, you know, it's an appropriate word to describe a lot of things, but I don't think it quite gets to the, it doesn't quite express the true horror of the atrocities that, occur in taxpayer-funded, perfectly legal systems like the incarceration system. The, the, uh, there's a word for it. What is it? The Criminal something, justice? Something complex. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah, the penal justice system, which penal non-justice system, right? And, and how profoundly that is linked to the systemic uh, racial injustice in in the U.S. and how all the human atrocities and the degradation and dehumanization and exploitation and extraction that formed the backbone of the modern economy, guess what? Is it's still it's still the backbone of the modern economy? Like present tense, right? And so a lot of these things and, and and how, you know, the product of a lot of that is that um, who gets to win the game of capitalism often has extremely little, if not nothing, if not, you know, less than nothing about who's actually creating value in the society, who is doing life supporting work in this society. And how, in fact, those who are doing the most important work for the well-being of humanity are the most fucked over, the least resourced, the least acknowledged and paid. So I began to see all of this much to my tremendous embarrassment because I'm fucking 36 and I and I'm I intellectually knew all these things before, but I began to truly see it and feel it in a in a in a way that I never did before um, recently. And it 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 wrecked me. It um it kind of destroyed me and I'm still recovering from it. Mm-hmm. And it made me that's why I was like, rude question, Luis. Like <laughs> Yeah. What, what was the catharsis? What was it that brought that up for you? Was it a person, something you felt, something you saw? Um, I think it was, I think even this, it wasn't like it's like my journey, my decisions. I think I was really be, being led here by spirit. Um I really believe that. And so that's to say it it was a series of events that led to other events that led, led to other connections, other conversations. Um, and I actually, I don't want to be more specific than that, but mm-hmm. I think on a more 
macro level, I think I was ready to see it at this point in my life. And I don't mm-hmm. think I may, would have had the capacity for it before. So I think it was, it was the right time and it was certain events and, you know, circumstances. Um, I, I have to ask you something because yeah. I'm so curious and this might, I don't know, sound weird to you, people listening when you're naming all those things, like, especially when you're talking about the mono crops yeah, yeah. Um, and monocultures and the injustices and, um, the the companies taking over the planet i mean i go right to that's why i love capitalism Um, you love capitalism mm -hmm, and i'll tell you why um i love capitalism because when you really understand capitalism you understand the power of people to fund or defund something overnight and Mm. the and the reason why that doesn't happen is because what we're talking about where there's a disconnection of relationship. I'll give mm. you a very clear example, one that really, the, the thing you're going through in your life right now, I went through this a while back with Coca-Cola. That, that's mm. what was my, that was my medicine. And I had discovered that in Mexico and in India and in, in many countries around the world, there were these, um, they had been completely sucked dry. Their lakes, their streams, their aquifers of water to supply Coca-Cola. It still happens wow. to this day. Um, and what amazed me, and this was something that took a while for me to really understand, and I understand it now through trauma work more than ever, is when we think about a monoculture, and I'll speak as an American, right, living in, in America, corn is one of the most, oh, pre- yeah. corn and soy are the most predominant monocultures, right? There's even in the rainforest at this point, the soy, soy crops um, and cattles. And when we think about this, if if I take it down to a micro level, if I'm in a relationship with body, like a really embodied, like sober relationship, I can't even tolerate a Coca-Cola because mm-hmm. the feeling, the chemicals, the, the high glycemic index of the corn syrup, what it does to my body feels so bad, I can't ingest it. When I'm dissociated from my own body, which I was for a long time, and I was drinking lots of things like Coca-Cola, I was paying, me at the time, a poor person was paying a company to destroy other poor countries. So why I say I love capitalism is I love that if we had this connection to body and we made decisions from body, we would instantly defund organizations and companies. I fucking love that. I fucking Do you see love what I'm that. saying? So that's I where totally I'm see going what you're with saying. it. I, I love that. I... I have always been very open about the fact that I capitalism is neutral to me, right? Talk about that, yeah. Yeah, I think just a lot of people like you know anti-cap. I actually, it, I don't know. To me, listen, I'm I'm from South Korea. I live in South Korea, and it's like we fought a war against communists. So capitalism has always had a different, a little bit different meaning to me, right? Mm. So the same people who decry about the evils of American capitalism are the same people who want to kill all of us. So I always had a little bit of a different relationship to it. And to me, from that, the way I've always seen it is the freedom to conduct enterprise without someone else telling you what's okay and what's not, what you should do, whatever, right? So to me, that almost seemed like a holy thing. If I want to, Mm -hmm. if I grew squash and I want to sell you my squash and take $5 for it. There's not a third person saying, actually, you can't because I decided, right? Like to me, that's, that's what capitalism, capitalism right there. That's right, act- right, right. actual capitalism is that. <laughs> right. So you're right. Capitalism means we can fund and defund everything and look, you know, of course it makes sense to blame a few at the top. And that is true on some level. And on another level, we are all buying into and feeding into and strengthening and upholding the overall structure in which with money and sacred trade, potentially sacred trade, at least we are funding all the wrong things. And so I love the way you put it because it gives me so much fucking optimism. Um, And I'm actually reading a book that talks about the difference between mere optimism and radical hope. And radical hope is grounded in sort of a rigorous examination of, you know, of, of, of your values and your willingness to engage courage and what it means to aspire towards 
moral excellence as opposed to merely just like, oh, I think it's going to go well, like optimism, like Pollyanna, right? So anyway, that's also on my mind. So I want to go think this beyond is important. Optimism. No, this is important. This is, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I'm getting no, lit I know. Off. There's like a million strands. <laughs> <in> my- <laughs> this is important to me because I think it's so, um, you're saying so many things that are so important, like, like we can blame people at the top. Like, I don't think that's useful. And um, right, right. And I, I, know, I know you're not saying it is either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I, and I understand that they're a great receptacle for anger. And I get it 100%. And, and some I, people are genuinely fucking up and more evil than everybody else. That's actually true. But yeah. <laughs> and well, and am I attuning to them or am I attuning to my own power? Where does my exactly. energy go? I, you know, I, yeah. I think of this example when I worked in New York City. And I had like a $40 a week budget for food. And I was, I would go to the health, I would go to Trader Joe's and I would get um, quinoa and carrots and beans and broccoli. And it was like $25. And I just lived off of that. And I went to work the next day and I spent $5 and it gave me lunch for the whole week, right? Beans, quinoa, these kind of things. And my coworker who was also poverty level um he went to get lunch at mcdonald's and he came back and i said i said oh we got for lunch today and he goes oh just shitty mcdonald's and i said why are you eating mcdonald's because he was complaining about corporations right before we had lunch and he said i, I can't afford the food you eat and i said your meal at mcdonald's literally just cost twice as my yeah. five days of lunch so yeah. it was this understanding of when we really feel into this body and we feel into mm. our agency so many things open up we wouldn't have thought would open up then we're not paying these these companies that are hurting people and the planet when you asked me what i see now that i didn't see before that was another part of it was like how much of you know like i said i'm a coach i work with coaches, I teach and coach, teach coach and teach coaches, but how much of what is in this field that I'm in was, um, like using more capitalism to like numb people from the pain of capitalism. And when I say capitalism, I mean the sort of when we're funding the wrong things. Right. Um, and like, Hey, it it sucks. It hurts. It's painful to not be a winner in this modern materialist society, right? So let's all buy this product that's gonna teach you how to be a winner, and then you can stop feeling like a loser while we are, you know, like funding and and perpetuating the, the same systems of 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 hierarchy and that are fundamentally once again ignorant and deeply you know uninvested in what it is that makes humans well and whole right and so and i think you know most of my adult and sort of conscious life i i spent in the us and, and until about 6 years ago when i moved to korea and i think if i hadn't spent this much time outside of the us i think there's a lot of things that i would have never have seen um because when you're outside of the U.S. for long enough and then you go back into the U.S., something that's going to jar you is the amount of profligate consumerism and and how much disregard. Like whenever I bring my Korean family to the U.S., one of the things that they're most shocked by is how much waste there is and how much mm. how no one recycles, right? And mm-hmm. it, it's just it's almost like the American model is like consume, consumes, consume, like with no consequence. Like there's no relationship, right. To what so your right consum- consumption is doing. And yes. I would have never seen it. You can't see it. If you're in it, I would have never been able to see it. If I never left the U S for that for long enough. Right. But you, but you just said something important that, yeah. that, that tugged on the strings of something you said earlier that was also important materialism materialism and capitalism are very much overcoupled they're not the same thing capitalism is not equal materialism hold on i said right but then say more (laughs) (laughs) i was like yes wait what (laughs) so you know like i i love your original your original um analogy of capitalism is gorgeous because that's really what it came from i grew a squash I'm going to charge you for the squash. I'm allowed to do that. You can buy it or not. If it's a yeah, good squash, exactly. you're going to buy it. You're going to come back for more. Great. I get to live off the squash. That's free market capitalism. Yes. Now, 
when we when we say capitalism and we talk about like consumerism or we talk about materialism, mm. capitalism mm, different. And, they're different. And and yeah, you said it right. earlier. And so I agree when, with you. When you don't have a relationship to self, that's when we're desperate for material. When you don't yes. have culture, that's when we're desperate for material. I think America is the most um, wasteful country because we we're disconnected. lack culture. Yes, yeah. we are. We are. We leave culture at the door when you come here. And I think this is fundamental. And this is all to me part of again your work. And I'm going to come back to it. But I think yeah. it's fundamental because we go into business. And we feel shame and we feel guilt for charging money because we've overcoupled capitalism with consumerism and corporatism and these kind of things. Where do you go with that? No, that's really smart. Um, uh, You illuminated a nuance for me that 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 wasn't that I couldn't see before. So I'm I'm having a bit of a learning moment right here. Yeah, sort of uncoupling corporatism and and materialism from capitalism. Absolutely, and and. What I love so much about your work and why I keep going back to it is that it's it's a profoundly, your work is profoundly hopeful, right? Profoundly, radically hopeful in in a way that um has 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 rigor, um because mm-hmm. you're right, it all comes back to our lack of connection, and I think the connection was here's my view is that we were there was a lot of connection and then it was it was ripped out of us, right? It it they it was stolen from us in in many contexts where it's entirely fair to say that. <clears throat> and I think it, now we just keep it going by... So, so for example, why do we feel so disconnected from our bodies? Hmm, let's think about that. So humanity, I'm sure you have a lot more smart things to say about this than I do, but humanity has operated with natural rhythms of the sun and the moon for all of its history, except when did clocks come into being, right? And now everyone operates by the clock when in fact, the clock is an entirely man-made construct. And even like quantum physicists will say, and not even quantum physicists, like I think any physicist will say like time is not mm-hmm. real. It has very, it's actually not like a super scientific concept. And we are all organizing our lives by alarm clocks and we're spending all of our our you know um we are slaves of of the clock and to serve time we spend all day under fluorescent lights and and we wonder why we're out of touch with our bodies like it it our I mean, bodies don't stand a chance yeah that's the root right. of it and i love talking about this because when I think of being an entrepreneur, like we get to change that culture within our businesses. 100%. The people that come into them and what you were saying before with this epiphany you're having, this painful epiphany, like where does your money fund? What do, what what world does it create for you and other people to live in? And that, that's important to me because when, when there is a disconnect, when there is a fundamental lack of relating to self and land and others, not just humans, but trees and insects and spirits, when we lose that relating, we are desperate for safety. And that's the spell of materialism. It ushers in, oh, here's something that will make you feel safe, I promise. And because of capitalism, you can do that because anyone can do what they want with capitalism. That's the, the quote negative side of it. But it's the materialism is the piece we need to focus on, not the capitalism. You know, are we dangling... And this is what this is another thing I love about your work, and and it's it's helped me in my marketing. Are we creating an adrenal response? Are we creating a feeling of lack? Are we telling someone you're in shit? I'm going to bring you to gold. I'm going to show you how. What's what's the language and the posture and the somatic subconscious undertones that ring from our words in a newsletter? That's as violent as Coca Cola you know, on a different level. It's like, totally. are we creating lack or are we telling people you're actually perfect and I'm going to show you how, how you're perfect. Like, I'm curious about that. Remember when we talked about the bedrock, right? And what we grow out of the bedrock is what we create more of for ourselves. And actually, I think the part that, the second part of that you just illuminated is that it, so if you, if your bedrock is one of scarcity and fear, then by the way, you can make a fuck ton of money out of scarcity and fear. Oh my, yes. Right? Excuse me hundreds yes. of millions of billions of dollars 
Billions. Like scarcity and fear are very effective drivers, <laughs> right? Of human behavior. Um, you can make a fuck ton of money. And not only do, does all of that money amplify the disconnection and amplify the fear and the scarcity, but that's also going to ripple out into the ecosystem where you um it's contagious. Like you infect whoever comes into your orbit, the orbit of your business, the apparatus that's creating all that money with more of your scarcity and fear. Mm, mm. Hold on, another pause. And, yeah. <laughs> I just want people to really feel that. That's important. And that's why I think what you teach, Luis, it's like, it's not just, oh, like, you know, your nervous system, you can feel better and you can heal. It's not that. It's, it's this has moral consequence. Because but, it's your decisions, how you experience your own re- relatedness in your in your body and with the with the beings and the environment around you mm, it impacts mm-hmm. other people it funds certain things and not others right uh, um, oh my god i mean it's, it's like when you're saying this you're you're really laying out the ecosystem right yep. of of money of commerce of business and that's your spot on because if I'm making money off people's fear, well, guess what? In an individual's life, guess what drives their fear? They have to go to Dunkin' Donuts. They have to go get coffee. They have to take medication. They have to literally pay these companies, as you said in your words earlier, they rape the earth to drive and soothe their adrenaline response for me selling them fear. So... If you're a fear Boom. salesperson, you know, you are literally, this is where you come earlier. You're complicit in this huge model of destruction. And even if you don't think that you sell fear and adrenaline and you think, oh, I'm not one of those marketers. I don't do those like fear-based tactics. I think there's a lot of people in this sort of more subtle gray area where they are not consciously doing that, but their desire for more money and more success is still driven by the same fucking fears and scarcity. That's the piece And materialism. That's what's important to me because you can come off even genuinely teaching people how to not be be in fear, but what's your own relationship to fear? Exactly. Simone, we need to do this again. Because we're coming I'm, up. I'm like, we're, this is like brain sex. I can do this. Yeah, totally. I'm like, oh my I'm God. Like, can I have a cigarette? Um, I know, right? <laughs> I, I literally have an herbal rolly over there. I'm, like, I'm going to have to light one up after this. But no, oh this is like, this is amazing because I think um, we both have ADHD brains, if I'm not misunderstood. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. So it's like, it's really fun to be messy because I'm not political. I don't know things. I don't read things. This is just from watching and witnessing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, so it's no, fun to speak think about. I'm political, but I'm not either <laughs> in ways that most people think. I'm like, I I, I love capitalism. Like, you know, like I... Yes, yes. It's so funny. You know, I started my my, my coaching course uh, this past weekend and, and somebody said, I... You know, because, you know, I, I speak out about, I talk about white supremacy all the time. And somebody said, I just, I love that Simone is, is modeling these progressive values. And I'm like, <laughs> is that, and listen, like, this is not anything against the person, but I get it. But also, yeah, is it progressive to acknowledge that racism exists? It's and that human, right? It's literally, no, hold on a second. But really though, really though. You know, I don't think of myself as progressive. I see my I see myself as seeing reality, right? And me, when I say I love capitalism, that's not me being conservative. It's like I love that I can sell you my squash for five dollars without somebody uh, saying no. I okay. You know what? So I was walking in the woods earlier with a friend, and we were talking ex- exactly about this. Where right. like I'm not political, I, I choose spiritual over political because yeah. I could dip into the well of every political label and find something I agree with. And I could also yeah. find something I don't agree with. So right. just like you're saying, I'm not conservative because I love free market capitalism. I'm not liberal because I look at someone and say, oh, that's racist. Can we change this? You know, I'm not progressive because whatever other reason it might be. Uh, these are divisive labels. This is all bullshit. I think they put these political labels on issues so that we can all be distracted by the That's political debate and not see is. what is <laughs> That's actually all happening. It is. That's all it is. And and um and you know you uh, something you just said that I wanted to say before we close because it felt so important. 
and now it's leaving my brain. But it, it's it's like hmm, I'm gonna let it leave. If it comes I back, feel like back. I feel like we op- I feel like I we opened like 800 boxes, and then we I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> We need we need some We're more. Like, good time luck to with these eight hundred boxes. Bye, everybody. Enjoy the <laughs> enjoy the wrapping paper. You can clean it up. We're good. We're good. Well, no, I mean, I think it, it one way to start closing this uh, messy un, uh, messy gift giving <laughs> celebration we just did is just to say that. Those who are listening to go back to what we're talking about with success and the relation system and the nervous system. I think the whole piece of why my work is called holistic, and I would say your work is very inherently holistic, is because everything relates. Everything has a place. So to go back to what you said earlier, helplessness, it serves you. It's here. Your greed and fear, it's here. There are all Mm. these places to relate to. And when we're relating to them, from that place, we have a completely different set of ethics that, that we conduct our business from. Amen. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I resonate with this, you know, it's because you too are part of, you know, like, like I, again, one of the pieces of my recent like, cat, like spiritual cataclysm, it wasn't like, oh my God, I had this amazing insight. You know, it's not my insight. It's like the universe's insight passing through me. Hmm. And if I have this amazing, thriving, prosperous business, it's not my business that I made. You know, it's this great current of 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 creative energy that I am tapping into, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, I want to kind of float that out there. Like, what if this conversation isn't about Simone and Luis? And what if, if this is just as yours? If you're resonating with it. Right. Like I w- just let's just play with that. Like decenter me, decenter Luis. Like, what if it's a collective current and we can all swim w- with it or not? <laughs> right. I 100% agree. And I always say to people when I'm in groups with them, I say, whatever you heard tonight that really you felt in your body that's yours. You know, it's not the yeah. other person's, it's, it's in you now. Yeah. So, exactly what you just said. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on and being so transparent as you are. And humble and open and honest and just so lovely uh where can people find your work where do you want to direct anyone to if they want to work with you or learn from you um so probably the best place to keep up with me is on instagram where i am at uh, simone.grace.soul that's s-e-o-l um and uh that's probably the best place to find me i'm i talk about everything i do there i'm probably doing a podcast rebrand soon so i i would have directed you to my podcast but i'm not sure what it's going to be called <laughs> but right now it's called joyful marketing <laughs> thank you love it's really been really really fun we have to do this again and i'm i'm so excited that i yeah there's i'm hoping there's gonna be a part two and a three and on and on, and on. so that's the end of today's episode Notice where you feel the episode inside of your body. Those sensations, those expressions, that's how your body speaks to you. Sit with it, be with it, and let whatever wants to come up, come up. Because all the wisdom you're looking for is right there in those sensations. If you want to go deeper into these practices or find more information about my work, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. I'll see you next time.
Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.